You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Qualifiers for the 2024 Euros underway. Here's a look at today's matches. You can watch all these at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on VIX. Spain will face Cyprus, Switzerland, Andorra, Sweden taking on Austria. Norway will face Georgia. Italy, a big one against Ukraine. Malta will face North Macedonia. And Belgium will take on Estonia. So for more on Italy, we are very excited to welcome in our good friend, Marco Messina, who has never looked better <laughs> except when you're wow. here in studio in person but For what is this you, the lighting the camera i mean he took a shower the previous, this morning. The, the, uh, the no. difference between the previous it's shocking setup he, and dusted, is, he dusted the hell out of that camera <laughs> because maybe he took the took the windscreen off the front of it what happened <laughs> because remember his whole room had a tan it was like orange <laughs> and now yeah, i you couldn't look- take hearing from you guys that's what really happened that's what motivated me to stop because every time i would come on here i had to hear it i fixed it i sorted the problems and we're good now are right? you using a filter are you using a filter the kid come went on. to b and h and he, he, he said i can't look like this no it more it looks like he perished the yes. whole thing, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like the Paris yeah. filter on Instagram. Uh, anyway, Marco, you look you look like a million bucks, my friend. Let's chat Italy, shall we? Um, okay, so what's what's the deal with North Macedonia? Okay, because we, we <laughs> haven't. We, it's like Alexis said it in our our production meeting. Like it feels like it's like the bogey team for Italy, and I have to imagine that watching that match over the weekend, the one-one draw with them, had to be very triggering, considering that that was the same team that knocked Italy out of World Cup qualifying. So now that you've had a few days to kind of process everything, what was your your big takeaway from that result? Yeah, I like how you big me up. You say I look like a million dollars and then we go right down to the bottom. But that's the way that it is. And and honestly, that's it. Susanna, you're right, though. We all expected like a, a very enthusiastic team. This is the team that stopped us from going to the World Cup. We've got Luciano Spalletti that's involved. New new players brought into the team. We thought, okay, come on, we have to go out there and we have to be able to win. Uh, and and we weren't able to do it. And we struggle against teams that put low blocks, but that's not really uh, an excuse for the way that that we played. You know, 
until the 1-0, we were playing well. We had chances. We're not able to finalize our chances. That's a problem with Italy's attack for, for quite some time. And then after we scored the 1-0, we stopped playing, and we didn't learn from our mistakes that if you keep teams like this into matches, they need one opportunity off of set pieces or cross, uh, and they get that free kick, which was given away in an awful position from Zaniolo. And they're very clinical. If we got to say one thing about North Macedonia, they don't get many opportunities. But when they do get them, they finalize. And Juventus, and, and sorry, Juventus, and Italy was not able to come back. I'm, I'm pairing up all the, all the, 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 the pain that's on my shoulders. But yeah, this Italy side was awful. Marco, what do you make of Spalletti's lineup and, and player selection, and, and, and in particular the midfield? Because you said a low block. I mean, Tonali, Cristante, and Barrera is, is a, a strong midfield trio. How, how do you think he fared in his, his debut with this, this Italian side? So, uh, you know, with Spalletti, he coached the team for five days. So we, we can't say much. We know that Spalletti's football, it takes time to learn. He was just, you know, learning who, who the players are. Also, a lot of those guys are, are backup players. Tonali and Cristante are not just known starters for the Italian national team. Jorginho and Verratti really were, but they haven't been playing for their clubs, so he didn't call them up. Uh, but nevertheless, they're starters within their clubs, and we should be able to do better. You know, for me, it comes down to how everyone works together, right? It's not just the midfield, even though the midfield is the core to our team. It's by far where we have the most quality. But when you look towards our attack and, you know, we have Chido Immobile who's not able to lay off five-yard passes and Politano who really didn't do anything. It's a collective. I don't want to just single out uh, players for what they did. But overall, we were not good. Uh, so I, I don't think that it just came down to the midfield. I mean, it, okay, I'll give you that about Donali not being a traditional, uh, a typical starter for Italy, but he just did sign a massive, I mean, had a massive transfer uh, to Newcastle. I believe it was 55 million pounds. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of expectations on, on a player like him. And also, I don't think you need Spalletti to be the manager for a long time to have a, a, a nation get inspired to play against a team that knocked you out of the World Cup. Bardi, Ennis Bardi for uh, North Macedonia, was running amok on, on Italy. What is, what is stopping Italy from advancing forward? You're talking about a nation that didn't qualify for two World Cups in a row. Yes, you won the Euros, but you didn't qualify for two World Cups in a row. You're going to have to at least win these Euros just to keep pace with what you've done before. What is happening with this team, with this nation? For me, I, I really don't see the quality in key positions. Like, uh, okay, we talked about the midfield. Uh, we all agree on that. Up top, like when, when the reality is when Federico Chiesa is not there, he's not within the national team, and he's been injured within the squad, there's no one who has a spark. I mean, watch the last couple of minutes of the game. When it goes 1-1, everyone looks terrified to even take a shot. It's resorting to just crossing from the wings where that's not really the style of play that helped us win the Euros. And granted, with any, with any of the players that we have, and I agree with you, Alexis, even with Spalletti being there five days, we should win these matches, but that's not the reality of Italy right now. It seems like we mentally crumble in these sorts of matches. And I was listening to Barella's words uh, when he spoke about the first North Macedonia match. And he said the pressure was too much for us. And you don't expect that from, from an Italian side. You don't expect that from an Italy side that, like you said, has won the Euros, has so much history, won four World Cups, to be so scared in these moments. But that, that's a reality of, uh, of where we are right now. And with injuries up top, we don't have great options off the bench. And when you look at what our potential 11 is today, it looks like Mancini doesn't even know who, uh, sorry, Mancini Spalletti doesn't even know who the 11 should be. Marco, I look at the players position for position and I compare them to the great Italy teams of before where they had literally per position world-class 
talent and it's not there. So maybe it's not just a national team issue or a managerial issue. Where's the development of world-class talent that Italy doesn't have anymore? It's not a coincidence that the World Cup results, since Italy has won the World Cup, have been god-awful for one of the powerhouses of the history of world football. And now you have a game against Ukraine that is tied with you on points, and it's not like, okay, Italy's eventually going to qualify to the Euros. Man, the, the pressure's really on right now. I know, and you know what the thing is? Like, okay, up, you know, the striker position has been something that we've talked about for a long time, and Italy and Mancini had resorted to even finding players that have any Italian ancestry in their DNA. I mean, we even got Retegi, who was from Argentina, and we naturalized him. But look at the center back positions. Like, there's no real predecessor from Chiellini, Bonucci, Barzagli of the past couple of years. We used to produce center backs like nothing, like, like off the back of our hand. Now, today, I'm, I'm legit reading from Sky Sports Probable 11. They have Scalvini slash Casale because they don't even know who can start. We don't have strong center back starters. And that is the core of what made Italy who Italy are. And that's also another disappointing part. Midfield production, we've been able to do. We have an amazing midfield. Goalkeeping position, everyone's questioning Donnarumma's, um, you know, if Donnarumma should be the starter. We have a long list of goalkeepers who could start. But when you look at the spine of the team, you look at the center back position and up top, we don't have those players that we used to have. Uh, Marco, when you move too much, your, your filter starts to fidget around. <laughs> yeah. So. We can start to see the old hey, you. We start to see the old you a little bit. Yeah, what does Marco look like with a tan? No. Look at this. My God! You couldn't find a photo where he did his right. hair. That's you had rude. to get that screenshot. <laughs> yeah, that, that is. Yeah, you look rude. like you dyed your hair. No. I mean, this is such a different. Your eyes are a different color. We're talking blur. We're talking orange. Yeah, bro, you look like you need milk in your diet, bro. Oh, <laughs> Back stop in the it. day. Yeah, wow. That's a bad gosh. screenshot. I'm gonna remember this. You know what? I had, I had gifts for all of you guys. I had gifts for the next time that I come in, oh. and I know Nico wasn't there, but maybe I'm gonna hold off on these gifts. I might have to give them to our city opera instead. Oh, Marco. Marco, it's all love. I roast yeah. the ones I love. I want my gift. Yeah, we, <laughs> we love you. When we talk about you because we love you. Yeah. Uh, I miss orange Marco. It's a, it's a glow up. Yes. It's a glow no, up. No, before he was Marco. glowing, I think is the word. The whole room was. Whatever. He looks, he looks great. Uh, Marco, we appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us this morning. We'll see you soon. Great presence. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we're going to take a break. Um, we are going to chat about some of our favorite stadiums in Europe next. Y'all are going to make a case for the best stadiums that we should all go visit. That's coming up after a quick timeout. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. 
So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Uh, here's a look at one of the cathedrals of the game, San Siro, uh, formerly the home of AC Milan and Inter Milan. They will bid farewell, although... In good news, the San Siro will not get demolished. It will remain intact um, as a historical landmark in Milan. But plans for a new home for AC Milan have been unveiled. There's some renderings that look really, really amazing. It's going to have a 70,000-person capacity, two massive strings, I believe, two rings. Um, it, it's, it looks like it's going to be pretty pretty special. But when we think about San Siro, I mean, it's just so iconic. There have been so many incredible moments that have happened there. I know, Nico, you have experienced soccer at the San Siro. What are, what are What are some of your, your memories there? What was, the, what was the atmosphere like when you were at the stadium? I feel like when a stadium is already iconic, there's a certain expectation of atmosphere that you're waiting to experience. And it was for a Milan game, not an Inter game that I, that I went to. And it was imposing. Uh, very organized tifosi, and they were passionate, and you could feel it kind of just oozing out of the stands onto the field um, because it's just that close. The, the, the two rings are just stacked on top of each other, and we've seen the tifos from all of these Derby de Milano, it's known for something, and the exp I went in there with a decent expectation, and, and it was great. It was everything that I was waiting for. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty special. So we, in this vein, we started thinking about some of the, our, the best stadiums in, in Europe, the type of place where you know, it would be on a bucket list, say, to, to go there, make a trip, watch a match in, in these cathedrals. And so we're going to play a, a game of state your case and you all have selected three stadiums in Europe that you think are the best. And the criteria can be whatever you want it to be. It can be atmosphere, it could be traditions, amenities, mo moments that have happened there, whatever whatever you decided to make your case for. And no um, bias from you. No yeah. bias from and me. And we don't know who each of us picked. Right. I'm assuming none of you picked Anfield because you I know. I should have because you're a Liverpool that fan. That would have been so had, smart. If you had, I clearly would have chosen that. I yes, I get, to, I mean, I get to choose the winner. I've been Anfield Electric. Yes, it's, it's an iconic stadium. It is amazing. It should be on the list. I it don't know if it is. It should absolutely be phenomenal. on the list. Um, I mean, in our state, our case, we're obviously going to leave out iconic stadiums from Europe, but I've got mine. Okay, Nico, you're a, up. A little bit out of left field, but not really, just because nowadays they're not a usual suspect in top, top European football, like the Champions League, but it is the home to a European champion, aka Champions League winner in Red Star Belgrade. Ooh. And we need to go to the Ooh. Stadion Rajko Mitic, which is wow. popularly known as the Maracana. Uh, I didn't see this coming. Yeah, at all. Is, I, I also like this. about it is it is a cauldron, uh, the Maracana, known for its very intimidating, imposing atmosphere. Uh, wow! It it gets heavy with police presence, with thug-like supporters. This game 
Red Star against Partizan, Crvena Zvezda against Partizan is one of the most heated, I would say even dangerous derbies. I wish that before I die, I go to experience the full-fledged atmosphere of a Crvena Zvezda against Partizan Belgrade because... Would you sit with the... I would sit with the Red Star fans. I, I try to no phone, no recording, no content that just day. Just fully present. Go with the fans. It's just, I feel like Eastern Europeans, they have a different way of chanting. It's almost like army-like. In strength in numbers together, it, it's meant to intimidate. Mm -hmm. Whereas like... I've grown up in a South American culture where it's more of a carnival atmosphere. Songs, instruments, drums, cymbals, uh, it, it, uh, very extended songs, wordy, and this is different. This is hey, hey, and everybody jumping, a lot of flares. I mean, this is, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, that's a, it, that was unexpected. One of the most difficult like atmospheres it. to go play and their European champion. All right. You know Panenka? The, yeah. When they host the European Cup, that's where the Panenka was done. Ooh. Yeah. In Serbia, they eat well a done. slice of pizza with a mayo-like onion sauce s squeezed on top. Mm. And that yeah, would make me that. want to chant I for 90 minutes. <laughs> Thanks for adding I would some. make some intimidating noises as well if I ate that. Well done. Well done, Nico. Okay. Charlie, you're up. So I chose a stadium that I have always dreamed of playing in. And Ooh. so I preface this by saying I got to play in arguably the most historic stadium in the world in the Azteca Stadium, Estadio Oof. Azteca in Mexico City. Where and score. And score. And score. But uh, both Maradona and Pele won the World Cups uh, yep. in, in Mexico and, and having played matches in Azteca Stadium. So going to U the UK, I felt for the first time going to Europe, I got to go to Old Trafford. And this was 2002. It was my first time going to Europe. What? First time flying, flying overseas. And I just remember being wowed by Old Trafford. And they had just signed uh, Rio Ferdinand. And so... Getting to, to do a, a tour and, and knowing the history of the club, having known that the 1966 World Cup was played, um, one of the this was one of the stadium sites for that World Cup, where England won in 66. Euro 96 uh, was played here, and the 2003 Champions League final. But um, knowing that Sir Alex Ferguson won 13 league titles, two Champions Leagues with his squads that have graced the, the pitch here. Sir Matt Busby won 13 titles, the first European Cup for Manchester United. Just knowing the history of this stadium and what it means, it's the biggest club football stadium wow, in the UK, 74,000. Mm. Um, I, I just felt like if you play in the theater of dreams, this is one of the, the ultimate prizes in terms of stadiums with history and legacy. And, and I just felt, if I had played in this stadium, that that would have been one of the biggest check marks for me. Um, but maybe in another life. <laughs> wow. Not no, what I, I expected at all. Not at all, especially from an Arsenal fan. But I, I can see your point, especially with just going back to the the players that have that have played there and the the historical moments that we've witnessed. I, I totally totally get it, even though. I'm yeah. Not. 
Liverpool fan. You're definitely not winning. But um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Red Star Belgrade. You ain't going to catch me saying that on air. I will say not a fan of Old Trafford for one reason. The count clocks down. The clock counts down from 90. To zero. Does it? Yeah. Oh, that's so strange. It, what? I, I hate that. it. I hate that it. That sounds like college soccer. Yeah, too. bro. It's. I'm like, bro. You can't make fun of MLS's early days if this is what's wow. happening in your Does stadium. It? Yes, I'm not a fan. Uh, but the one I picked is a stadium that I originally, before I went there, it seemed it seemed impressive on TV. And you know, watching it, the atmosphere is incredible. The fans are absolutely incredible. But I'm like, eh. Maybe it's not that impressive. And then going there, I've never felt anything like watching the yellow wall bounce mm. in unison. 25,000 people at the Westfall Stadion, now known as the Signal Iduna Park. Shouts to all my BVB uh, fans out there. 81,365 capacity. Germany's largest stadium. It's the right now currently the largest top flight stadium in all of Europe. Technically, Camp Nou is, but that right now is under construction, so it's not there. It's an absolutely impressive. Here's just a couple videos. Wow. Uh, the Cooligans, uh, shouts to the Cooligans, uh, downloaded, please. Um, great podcast. I'm on it. Uh, this is when we went on a trip. You can see. That's awesome. It is. You feel like half of Germany showed up wearing yellow, <laughs> and they are completely enveloping and surrounding you. It is an atmosphere like I've never seen. Um, there was a, uh, I believe it was the Times said, and I quote, the Times Online that Borussia Dortmund's ground is a classic. Two huge end terraces that fling noise down at the playing area with a deafening intensity. This place is built for football and for fans to express themselves. Every European Cup final should be held here. Wow. The best atmosphere on the continent on a game-to-game -game basis. Uh, the last thing I will say is Iconic moments, probably the most iconic moment is Germany losing to Italy 2-0 in the 2006 World Cup um, semifinal. But for me, the moment that I remember when I think of the stadium, besides being there, is probably Robert Lewandowski's four goals against Real Madrid. Absolutely incredible in a 4-1 thriller. I mean, such incredible. I mean, look at this. This it's standing room only, the Tribuna. Yeah, it's standing, but safe standing. Correct. Safe standing. Um, they, their capacity is 81,000, but they've they've reached a record of 83,000 wow. total people. It's, didn't Incredible. you get the feeling that when you're looking at the Sutribuna, it just never ends? It it's also feels like pitched. Look at that. It's, it's intense. It's pitched it's at 35 the, the, the degrees. I hope I'm saying that correct. I hope that's the right number. It's 35 degree pitch. It is. It feels flat. The word wall is very appropriately yeah. used. It feels like it's on top of you, and it just. You almost, everyone looks like ants, and you're standing, you're just in the other stand. You're right next to them. It's, it's a wild atmosphere, and I honestly, having been there, I'm like, that is the bar by which atmospheres are set. It mm -hmm. was amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've all presented uh, very good cases, very solid cases. Um, for me, it's an easy decision, though. I'm going with the... Uh Alexis in this one, only because that is that is when I we talked about earlier, like a bucket listing. I have always wanted to go to Germany and go to a Borussia Dortmund match for those exact reasons. I think it just looks it looks so intense and just like, you know, the way you described it, just kind of like pulsing through your body when the wall starts jumping up and down to me like that just feels so iconic and. I've really always impressive. wanted to experience that. Also, like, you know, the thug thing kind of threw me off. With it's, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Suze, you feel comfortable in there? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Suze with a bucket hat and a red flare bouncing off her neck. <laughs> I can always fall back on the neck bouncing. <laughs> you can't fight this. Bro. I always have that. No, that was great. Well done, guys. Um, all right, guys, we are going to take a break. Um, when we come back, we are previewing the latest addition to our documentary series, Stories from the Beautiful Game, when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I would like to know, how is it possible to play football under conditions of a war? War, it's all the time inside you. The bombs falling on every piece of territory. Many soldiers, many people who fight now for us, we want our efforts to give them victories. This is our duty and football Never stop. Football must go on. Donetsk is occupied territory and there's a battle line between them and many of their loved ones. Nobody knows how long can this team sustain under these kind of circumstances. Our mission to play football and we feel this responsibility to Ukrainian people. Just the fact that they can even play in the country at all is just honestly it's astounding. It's a war. It's not easy to play with the sirens, with bombs. When thousands of refugees came to this region, we organized the shelter. As you may see, we have a lot of children loving football very much. Shakhtar Donetsk has become a metaphor for the struggle of Ukrainians. And it's epicentral to the endeavor that this team represents and plays for, not just the club, but the hearts of 40 million people in Ukraine. The kickoff of the UEFA Champions League, and this season features the most inspirational story in world football. We want to show people that we are still alive. made from steel. We will fight. The same as Ukraine on the battlefield. You can try to kill us. You can bomb us every day. You can threat us with a nuclear weapon. But come on, we're still playing football. Football must go on the story of Shakhtar Donetsk and their journey through a war-torn Ukraine as they continue to compete at the highest level in Champions League. It's the latest edition in our four-part series, Stories from the Beautiful Game. You can stream on Paramount Plus starting today. Well, as we saw, just some really incredible 
and powerful scenes. Um, a club that is competing at the highest level despite the atrocities that are going on in that country. Alexis, for you, why is this an important story to tell? I mean, to, to be able to sort of document what's happening at that time, you know, and especially with the way media works these days, especially the news cycle, you know, people might even forget that a, a war is still going on. Obviously, this was filmed during the 2022-2023 season, but to document, I mean, there are moments like when the lights go off as they're eating dinner. It seems like a, a horror film, but this is reality. This is the reality of, of a war-torn country, and to have a team that's playing in a European competition and sort of almost de facto representing their country where wins alleviate, maybe just for a second, some of the pain that's going on in their home country, to see that in real time and to see that from behind the scenes to see Shakhtar Donetsk Stadium being used as a shelter, you know, for, for people that had nothing to do with what's going on, that war was thrust upon them. Uh, is to me, it's super powerful. The fact that it's a four-part, uh, you know, documentary or, or series, I, I want to see more episodes of this. I, I want to be able to get even deeper. I mean, this is a very powerful story. And shouts to Paramount Plus for telling it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Nico, what, were, what are some of your takeaways when, when you were watching them last year compete in, in Champions League? What were, I mean, how do you balance what's going on at home but then focusing on trying to win and knowing what it would mean to the country when you're going through a war? It's crazy because they have been presented with a lot of adversity. Shakhtar Donetsk is from Donetsk and They've been displaced for the last several seasons before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And they've had to figure out where to make temporary homes, their fortresses, the Olympiski. This is in, in Kiev, this stadium that's been their home stadium in, in European football for the last several seasons in which they did compete for the Champions League. Far away from where the club was founded from where the club used to play and they've maintained their status as a powerhouse in Ukrainian football. And when the Russian invasion happened, they started losing foreign managers. Let's remember that Shakhtar Donetsk historically invested a lot in bringing in Brazilian players. Yeah. And you look at the team now, there aren't many international players, so they've created a base of, of Ukrainian players. And mm -hmm. not only that, in European football, they have to go away. They were playing in, in Poland for a while. Then in Germany, they'll be playing in Germany this season, European football. So it's this story of a team that is constantly on the move. They are nomads because of several wars and, and several geopolitical uh, implications that has displaced them all over Europe. It's crazy. And, and, and I think just what you, you touched on, giving people hope and giving that that's what it's about you go and sacrifice and put your 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 body on the line to give your country pride and joy and, and happiness considering everything that's happening and I, I got a chance to play against Shakhtar in 2013 and and both Ilsinho and, and William were on the team so I got to see wow. some, some of the Brazilians Tyson uh, just Bernard incredible players Bernard was not on the on the field, uh, so I, I don't think he was a maybe? part of the team. No. But um, what what a squad, and I just can't wait to watch this as well. Just considering yeah. you're trying to to move forward with your life, mm -hmm. knowing that maybe someone, your loved ones or your family, won't be around, considering the war. So it's incredible. Yeah, football must go on, but 
it's how how does it go on yeah. Yeah. when your life so is difficult. upside down? It's and just historically, like you know, Kiev and, and Ukraine back when it was USSR, highly influential in the way the modern game is played to this day. You know, Dynamo Kiev, one of the most influential teams, really in all of world football. So this this is like a pearl of the culture and the history of football and to see what's happening and to get a peek in behind the you know behind the scenes of all of that is super it's it's just it's wild that we're watching history happen because there's going to be a post-war eventually and we'll have to see what sort of comes from that rubble well now you get to see what's actually happening during it yeah it's wild much bigger much bigger than football uh you can stream football must go on starting today on paramount plus we are going to take a break ali trost martin will be back with some headlines when we return stay with us Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Here's a look at Tuesday's footy fix. We have some international friendlies. Look forward to Scotland will face England at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on FS2. USA hosting Oman 8.30 p.m. on TNT. And Mexico will face Uzbekistan at 10.30 p.m. That game on 2DNA. We also have some Euro qualifiers to look forward to. Italy taking on Ukraine at 2.45 p.m. You can watch that match on VIX. And Alexis, hey. just for you. Canadian Premier League, Halifax Wanderers versus Calvary FC, 6 oh, p.m. Yeah. FS2. My man knows. HFX Wanderers. Hey, Alexis knows. Yeah, Let's dude. go. Come on, HFX. Let's go. Um, Ali Trost-Martin is going to have some headlines for us, don't you, Ali? I do, Suze. We start with Paul Pogba, who has officially uh, tested positive for elevated levels of testosterone, an infraction that could lead to a lengthy suspension for the French midfielder. He has since been provisionally suspended by Italy's National Anti-Doping Tribunal, pending a trial and a testing of a backup B sample. Pogba has has been limited to two appearances off the bench with Juventus after returning from injury and could face a suspension of between two and four years if he is found guilty. In the English Premier League, Everton off to a rough start in the season, uh, could soon have new ownership on the way as they look to avoid relegation. According to multiple reports, 777 Partners out of Miami is closing in on a deal to buy the Liverpool-based club. 777 Partners also own stakes in Sevilla, Eartha Berlin and Standard Liège. And Thierry Henry's run as France U21 head coach continues to produce results with Henry's team posting a 4-0 win over Slovenia in the U21 Euros qualifying on Monday. And PSG forward Bradley Barcola scored two goals in the second straight four-goal match for Henry's squad, which opened their Euro 21 qualifiers with a 4-1 win over Denmark last Thursday. In managerial news, Lyon has fired manager Laurent Blanc after less than a year in the role as the club currently sits in last place in Ligue 1 with just one point from four matches. Blanc replaced Peter Bosch as Lyon manager in October of 2022, guiding the club to a seventh-place finish last season. Gennaro Gattuso and Julien Lopetegui have been identified as candidates to replace Blanc. 
And in other coaching news, we move to CONCACAF, where El Salvador has fired Hugo Perez as head coach. The former U.S. MNT midfielder was let go after El Salvador's recent pair of CONCACAF Nations League losses to Guatemala, at, uh, Guatemala and Trinidad and Tobago, which extended El Salvador's winless streak to 13 matches. And Charlie, there was a time when some U.S. fans were uh, saying that Perez should replace Greg Berhalter. What do you make of the way that yeah. this has kind of gone down after a hot start? Well, first and foremost, we have to give respect to Hugo Perez. This is a National Soccer Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, a coach who helped build some of our players, youth players, in, in the youth national team setup. So uh, I have a ton of respect for him. And, and what he's been able to do in his career as a, both a player and a manager. Phenomenal person, and he did a lot with what he had at El Salvador. I mean, he, 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 they were competing. That's what it is. I think he, he hit, he hit the, the limit. I mean, they, they plateaued, and, and this is the effect of and what, what happens when that, it's kind of get, it grows stale and you don't have enough coming up for You don't him. have anyone you he, can bring in. So yeah. from, what's next for him then? And, sorry, sorry I, I just yeah. wanted to just mention because Hugo Perez on the, on the Salvador national team did what he could with what he had, but because the clubs weren't producing enough talent, he had to go. There was a massive effort under Hugo Perez to go find dual nationals, mm-hmm. and he is responsible for bringing in a lot of the talent, and he did what he could. You can't expect El Salvador, with all due respect, there, there needs to be another answer because it just feels like every national team manager that comes through, including Carlos de los Cobos or Hugo Perez, there's a long list that they do so much and then there's like a wall that you hit. And I guess what's the level of expectation from the federation? Because some would say Hugo Perez did did as best as he could. You know, and I know Ali asked what comes next for him, so I'm going to follow that up with that. Well, there's no doubt he did the best he could. Yeah, absolutely. Is that the best that El Salvador can do? That's the question. That is the question. But I'm also wondering, what is the Federation's expectations? Are they possibly too high? But for Hugo Perez, who has a great track record, what does he do next? you think he goes back to the club game? Maybe there's another nation that takes a look at him? He was in, within the developmental stages in, in the U.S. soccer, right? He was coaching mm-hmm. the U-20, I believe, or the U-17. U-15. The U- U- U-15. U-15. Does, he, does he go back to the U-15 with the men's national team? I feel like somebody, the U.S. can benefit if by having somebody like that developing. Who can identify talent. Yeah. I mean, that's the, he identified, he brought in a lot of guys from, they were, El Salvador was picking out guys from Canada, from the Netherlands, adding them to the national team. And there, there was talent. I just think it, it doesn't bode well. It's not a good look if, you, if, if a guy like Hugo Perez, who was doing all of this for the team, and you still can't find right. he success. Was I mean, like, like the scapegoat for. Yeah. It, La Selección Cuscatleca. He was, uh, there was, he was like, okay, you don't make CONCACAF quarterfinals. You need somebody to fall. Yeah, but like I don't if think you're, he's if not If you're the not main successful under those circumstances, when are you going to be successful? Mm. Like, this seems like a, a systemic problem within the Federation, yeah. much more so than, than anything Hugo Perez did. What about a New England revolution? They what, need a manager. What about a Canada? Oh. Canada also need a manager. And... Someone who got El Salvador to play extremely well in World Cup qualifying, given the, the limited resources, given the, the limited talent, he made the most of that squad. 
give them Canada and see what happens. Canada seems like a little Canada bit of a needs rough. some. Yeah, but that federation is going through a lot. If he took on El Salvador, you think you can't take on? I'm not saying. Say. I'm not saying. I'm just mentioning. Hey, man, Charlie, this isn't like the smoothest ship available. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like a little balance because if you whoever takes on Canada, you're coaching at the World Cup with decent amount of expectation, with a, with a golden generation. Even more okay. so, a reason for him. And then on the other on the other hand, is all the financial problems that the Federation has, so it's like... Right, you're gonna coach in the World Cup, also we don't have any money, so it's tough. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> tough, tough You're saying marketing dollars won't come? Oh, for, you, for, for sure, and, I think... Yeah, the future's yeah. bright, you, you look at the talent Canada have, and the t talent coming through, Hugo Perez's proven manager, in CONCACAF, mm -hmm. in developing talent, yeah. in getting the best out of the players that he has. And he happens to know CONCACAF really, really well, really well? which is pretty important. Charlie. It's a great shout. Brills. Hey, Ugo, you need an agent? Hit me up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know Take how to speak Canadian? Hey, it's crazy. <laughs> hey, it's that U.S. men's national team brethren, you know? Okay, we're going to take a break. Plenty more to come on Morning Footy when we return. Don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Here's a look at Tuesday's footy fix. We've got some Euro 2024 qualifiers to look forward to. Italy will take on Ukraine at 2.45 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that on VIX. In the Canadian Premier League, HFX Wanderers taking on Calvary FC at 6 p.m. on FS2. And we have some international friendlies on the docket as well. Scotland will face England at 2.45 p.m. Eastern on FS2. Mexico, Uzbekistan, 10.30 p.m. on 2DNA. And, of course, the USA will face Oman, 8.30 p.m. tonight on TNT. And for more on the U.S. men's national team, we are absolutely delighted to bring in the one, the only, Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad. What's up, Jimmy? What's up? So good to see everybody. I'm ready to talk about some soccer. Uh, I'm excited, and this is going to be a great game. You know why? Because we didn't play so great the other one against Uzbekistan, and now we take on Oman, and they're next to each other in the FIFA World Rankings. So I'm expecting another 3-0 beatdown, or that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Jimmy, were you hopeful after the Uzbekistan game? Hmm. How do you define hopeful, Nico? I think that's the big question. What I'll say is this. When Greg Berhalter took over in the previous cycle, I was in New York. U.S. played Mexico, and we got absolutely slapped around 3-0. I was hmm. in the stands. And I was triggered, everybody. I was hot based on what I saw, mainly because Zach Steffen touched the ball more than Christian Pulisic. And I just didn't understand why we wanted our goalkeeper to be a playmaker. I still don't understand it. But we tried to play out of every situation in the back. And that was something that I thought Greg Berhalter tried to turn our national team into a club team. And I think he's tinkering now. Now, in fairness to him, I want to say that if you're not going to try things against Uzbekistan and Oman, then when are we going to try them, right? So you got to try some stuff. He got some ideas. He's been sitting at home thinking about things for the last six to eight months, and he wants to tinker with, obviously, all the fun and shiny toys we have at our disposal because this is the most talented U.S. team that we've ever had. And I think we'll probably see some more tinkering against Oman as well, but we still have enough talent to go out and get a result for sure. Jimmy, uh, I'm curious to know if the U.S. does go to a three-setter back 
system. How do you feel about that with, if it's Miles Robinson, Mark McKenzie, and Chris Richards, or Tim Ream being in the middle? But is that something that you think the U.S. can, can move forward with, or is this just a, a one, one-time experiment? How much time do we have, Charlie? You know what I'm going to say, ultimately, is that we are set up actually quite well to play with a back three because we have some really talented wingbacks. I would not put Anthony Robinson in a back three. I think that really handcuffs what he's great at, which is going forward. Same with Serginho Dest. Those guys are fantastic. And I think going forward and, and if we set up in that way, you have three in the back. You allow those two in particular to go up and down the sideline. And then it's just more about your midfield because I like that you have potentially Richards, Ream, and McKenzie as you're holding three. And then who are going to be sitting in front of them? Because those, those two midfielders, I think, if you're going to play, you have to really worry about the counterattack, especially against Oman, who are going to play a straight 4-4-2. So if you're going to tinker in this way, I'm, I'm all for it because I feel like we've been clamoring for maybe trying this because we could argue that our outside backs are probably better as wingbacks than they are as true traditional fullbacks. Jimmy, what player do you think stands the most to gain from Berhalter being back? <laughs> That's a great question. Jeez, everything got really serious. Like all the airs out of the studio right now. Wow. I wonder what Jimmy thinks about uh, this per se. You know that. Uh, wow. That's that's a really that's a really good question because I, I don't know if I have a, a one specific player that that steps or or stands out for me. You know, Christian Pulisic was in his camp the whole time. So so leaning into even when things were going a, a little bit uh, south in terms of his status as the national team coach. So I find that relationship could continue to get stronger. Gio Reyna, maybe. I mean, if we want to get into the weeds here and maybe have a little bit of fun at twisting this whole situation and have a silver lining to it, he has a lot to gain, obviously. And I think building that relationship between the two and hopefully putting him more central because we saw that in the Nations League and I thought the team just flowed a lot better when he was in the middle as opposed to out wide. So those are a couple names. Maybe those are Captain Obvious choices. But, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to have to really sit here at home oh, and never, reflect I'm, upon that. I'm Thank you. Seen, I've never wow. seen you absolutely <laughs> bear the, oh my God. the talker of all talkers. Yeah, so, dude. Sometimes, sometimes the simple questions are the ones that are the hardest to answer. You know what I mean? Dang. Okay, now we're going to see if we really bamboozle him because betting on friendly games, it's not easy because you don't know the lineup. You don't know really how the players are going to take this game on. So give me your lines, Jimmy. Where's that crystal ball? <laughs> yeah, great. I think I'm going to go with the over two and a half goals in this one. I think we're going to see a response from the U.S. where there are going to be some emphasis in we want to play a little bit better than we did in the first game against Uzbekistan. Tim Ream came out and said the same thing. Greg Berhalter started to come out and said he's going to make some lineup changes. And I think when you hear lineup changes, you're hearing, I'm going to give opportunities to guys who might be pretty hungry. So if Ricardo Pepe gets the start over Balogun, I wouldn't be surprised. Anytime Pepe steps on the field, he's got a little bit of that urgency that maybe we lacked in that first game. So I like the over two and a half goals. And you know what? I'll take it one step further. I'll say both teams will not score. I think the U.S. are only going to score in this one. And Ooh. then over two and a half goals. That Fiesta jumps it up to plus 250. So a little bit of a parliesta. Uh, La Fiesta Parley yesterday. All right, sure. since you're getting into betting, we might as well take it to the England-Scotland game. This is the 105th, 150th anniversary of the Heritage match. Where are you going in this? Because Scotland's hot right now coming into this, and Gareth Southgate is kind of on skates with England. <laughs> yes, but they have so much talent. They have so much talent. This is a friendly. They've already both, both, both managers, Steve Clark for Scotland and Gareth Southgate for England, have said 
that they're going to make some changes here. I think this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be festive, and I like both teams to score. The fact that you can get that value at minus 120 is crazy. Plus, as you mentioned, Charlie, Scotland have been fantastic. They can hurt you at any time. They scored two goals in 90 seconds to upset Norway at Oslo. So I like that team a lot. It's at Hampton Park. I got to play there with the U.S. against Scotland. It's a tremendous area, and I like I like the 1-1 or 2-2, but I like both teams to score minus 120. Wow. Wow. Mm. Jimmy Conrad. With the intel. Um, it's always so great to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. We miss you. Why don't you come around more I miss often? you. I Jeez. don't know. You know. Talk to Jen. Talk to Jen. Talk to Jen. Oh, always the, the producer's fault. Whatever. Jen Calhoun, come on. Get him in. We appreciate you. Have a fantastic Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 